What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. I have a really cool conversation today with my close friend, Carter Wheelock of Lumber and Hyde. And before we get into that, I want to mention that I would really appreciate if you guys left a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you guys are listening through that medium, then please go do that. You know, I was kind of comparing it to when you're on Amazon and say you're looking for an item and hey, you found a, you stumbled across a five-star, a five-star item, but then there's only like five or six reviews on it. So maybe you actually go for the product that has 500 reviews, but is only a 4.5 out of five, uh, just because you feel like it's a more accurate picture of how the product actually is. Well, that's what I want for this podcast is I want to get as many ratings and reviews as possible, whether those are five stars or four stars, three stars, two stars, one star. I want to really give people an accurate picture of the product that we're putting out and what I am able to do with the quality guests that I have. So please go do that. It's always really, really appreciated. And don't forget to check us out on the social media platforms. You can find all that stuff in the show notes. And the sponsor for this episode, you're not going to believe it. We actually planned this out pretty well, is Lumber and Hide. So I was able to get Carter on this episode where we talked about leadership and followership and what that means in society and the workplace and different things like that. Um, But we also wanted to line it up with the drop of our product, which is going to be coming out in early February. And so this is kind of where I will give uh, the description of what that product is. It was it was an idea, a rough idea that I had, and then Carter just completely knocked it out of the park and designed the Kramer notebook and passport wallet. So each wallet uh, has two main pockets that fit a three and a half inch by five and a half inch notepad or a passport if you want to use it for traveling. There's two card slots that hold six cards on the right hand side, and then there's a flap on the left hand side that holds loose papers. The left side also has a pen loop that fits a regular size pen or pencil, and it's held securely by a solid brass spring snap made completely by hand. So Carter was down in his workshop. You know, I have no idea how many hours he put into these, but they are absolutely beautiful. Durable poly thread that's holding everything together, and then he burnished the edges to shine and seal them up, and they are seriously gorgeous. If you're into this kind of craftsmanship, you will definitely love what we have going on with this. All the leather that's used on these wallets is a 16th of an inch thick, which makes it really solid and durable, yet not feeling too bulky or rustic. They're made from a natural carving leather, which starts out very light, but patinas fairly quickly from things like exposure to sunlight, the oil from our grubby hands getting on it, and anything else that it picks up along the journey, and it darkens it to a deep caramel color. And I think that it's so cool just to watch as this thing changes and kind of ages really gracefully and beautifully and this is where we got kind of wacky is he included three different colored insides for the three notebooks that we're offering Uh, one is a olive color and then the other is more of a medium brown and then the third one is a slate so all the leather comes from the amazing wicket and craig tannery in pennsylvania and it's one of the oldest vegetable tanneries in america So in short, these are some really durable wallets and outright patina machines, which if you're a nerd about leather, then you'll know what that means. If you're not, then really what it means is that these change over time, but in all the best ways. Uh, Not only do these start out as one-of-a-kind items, but they continue to grow the way how only you and your adventures can make them. And I love how he worded that at the end, how you and your adventures can make them. And this is exactly why this product is so important to me, because 
I expect to have this thing for a really, really long time. And I had posted it on Instagram a couple of days ago where I said, this is something that your grandkids are eventually going to look at and be like, dang, that is something that I'm going to fight my siblings over having the right to claim when you are dead and gone. Uh, but that's seriously, it, it sounds like I'm joking. I'm not. I'm really glad that I have one of these uh, in my possession. And I think that you would be too. But even if you're not interested in one of these things, uh, go check out what else they offer in terms of products. And then more importantly, like I'm just so glad to have Carter on board because he's become a really, really close friend and someone that I can have in-depth conversations like the one that follows. And so I always appreciate his perspective. So glad that he came on. And without further ado, we will get to the episode with Carter Wheelock. Here's the music. Today, I want to talk about like leadership and, and followership and being a leader and a follower based on you know what the situation calls for. I want to get Carter's take on it because I think he's um, a leader himself. I, I believe that he's been in a lot of situations where he's been led, and then also he's raising two little boys, uh, and so I want to get his take on what that means in terms of trying to raise uh, future men of integrity. So, dude, thank you for being here this is gonna be fun thanks for having me out dude yeah of course let's uh let's start with with the uh product that you designed i mean you really did you like just came up with this on your own when i kind of explained what i might want and then we decided hey let's sell this to the general public as well yeah dude it's it's awesome and i was so glad that you that you gave me one prior to the other ones that you had made that we'll be selling and it is so gnarly i just look at it it's like one of the few objects that I have that I just look at and I think it's like super cool and I'm really <laughs> yeah. glad that I have it uh, because I know that I'm going to have it for a really long time. And I have my, uh, I think the pen is brass too, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have the same you pen. Have, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we both have the exact same one. That's um, funny. Pen yeah. matchers. Dude, it, the, the pen is sweet too. It's like a brass pen, so it matches the button. And then I think it fits, the notebook I have is a three- 3.5 by 5, I yeah, think. Yeah, just the small. Yeah, Is so it a Field Notes brand that you uh, This carry one I got or? from Huckberry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it fits fits pretty well. But uh, it's kind of funny because the thing looks so legitimate that when I open it, I feel like my thoughts immediately get right. more valid and serious. Yeah, And definitely. then I write stuff down. For sure. Uh, uh, it's funny that you say I connect... 100% with the just looking at it. I'll just carry mine around with me all the time. Julie makes fun of me actually pretty regularly about it because I like the majority of the time I'll just carry it and never actually write in it. Yeah. So that's just the yeah. how it goes, I guess. Oh, I dude, don't know. It's, yeah, it's legit. And like you said, you can you can hold a few more things in there too. I'm trying to, to find some other stuff to put in there. Um, but I think that this is really, really cool. Like you, everything that you make it has a very distinct aesthetic and just looks so legitimate. And then to have this one that is, you know, it's a little bit bigger than like a wallet. So it stands out maybe a little bit more and having it, having it on my desk, I'm just waiting for people to ask me about it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's pretty sweet. But anyway, the plan is we have three of these that, that he made and they're different color variations on the inside. And then the outside is what uh, color? It's just a natural, <clears throat> excuse me, natural veg tan. So it starts out pretty light um, and then picks up the oils and 
dirt and everything from your travels and darkens up over time. That's what this mine is 100% natural veg tan and it's like a pretty tan like caramel color right mm-hmm. now it, it really darkens up really yeah. nicely so. i should do a side by side of the ones that you made that haven't really been out and about yet yeah. next to yours so people can see a difference but i've posted about my notebook a couple times on instagram and i just love it so we thought we would offer up a few of them to you guys as well so the plan is to have those available and drop those in early february maybe like the first monday in february and then we'll see um, where we go from there but i'm just glad to have this dude at my disposal because i get cool crazy ideas like i want him to make me a sheath for my hatchet so that i can start carrying that you know more safely when i go camping and stuff like that so um just out to get coffee or something yeah or just hatchet with you yeah Yeah. is that legal it's probably see why not right okay have a knife right yeah but it has to be what three inches or less oh is it i think so maybe not okay yeah i don't know no machetes then no 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 um, so yeah, dude, like the next you know, 40, 50 years, I'll just be hitting you up for, okay. for custom <laughs> orders. Good. Uh, it's going to be awesome. But anyway, let's get into the, the specific topic of today. So I had sent you a couple of the ideas that I wanted to, to run through and I'm going to try to get that pulled up overall. I mean, do you have like your own definition of leadership or do you go based off what other people use or what society deems as leadership? Yeah. I guess it's kind of hard to completely define. I think it's oversimplified a lot. Um, I think that we don't necessarily see a lot of really great examples of it. And so maybe it's easy to pick up on one or two characteristics, but overall I think it's pretty hard to define. I think um, that a lot of people, or we see a lot of examples where leadership equates to um, like more authority or more money or, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, if you will, or, um, you know, being in charge. And I think that that is a byproduct of leadership a lot of times, but not leadership. Like Mm -hmm. those are not what makes a leader a leader. I think people tend to get distracted by that, uh, you know, bigger paycheck or whatever Mm -hmm. and skip over maybe some of the the real values of leadership yeah no i'm definitely with you because like you said even with within corporate structures and stuff like that you know there's there's people that are in leadership positions simply based on where they're at you know in that hierarchy within the corporation but that's only to me one piece of the equation the other piece is that you know you have to have the actual characteristics of a leader which is you know um doing things that that you, or I'm sorry, not being willing, unwilling to do things that you want your people below you to do. So being willing to carry out those tasks. Mm -hmm. So I think about the, one of the probably greatest leaders in history, which is Teddy Roosevelt and reading some of his books, he was like, even when he was president and after he was president, he was going out on these crazy excursions. It was just doing like all the grunt work and stuff. And he was always, you know, just willing to, to do all the little menial tasks and work super hard. And, um, I think that that's kind of that characteristic too. So people can look and be like, all right, well, they're not asking me to do something that they wouldn't do themselves. And then also you have to be able to get the people below you um, to perform their best. So you have to figure out what they're good at and how you can make everybody, you know, work together efficiently. And unfortunately, um, you know, especially in our society, people are put into leadership positions that maybe they only have, you know, one piece of that equation and they're not really 
really able to fill that role the way that the people below them them need. So yeah, for sure. I have a quote actually right off the bat that maybe can get into if that's okay with you. Oh, I'd love it. Um, just kind of follows up uh, your second point there. Um, so it's an excerpt from uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. And just real quick here. Uh, the way we think toward our jobs determines how our subordinates think toward their jobs. Mm. The job attitudes of our subordinates are direct reflections of our own job attitudes. It's well to remember that our points of superiority and weakness show up in the behavior of those who report to us, just as a child reflects the attitudes of his parents. I think that's really powerful. And, um, uh, and then leads right into the second quote, yeah. which I wanted to share with you. Um, so, he gives two suggestions for getting others to do more for you on your team or whatever. Number one, always show positive attitudes toward your job so that your subordinates will pick up right thinking or pick up that positive attitude. And then two, as you approach your job each day, ask yourself, am I worthy in every respect of being imitated? Are all my habits such that I would be glad to see them in my subordinates? Yeah, that's a big um, time. So when you said that, I think that really speaks to that mm -hmm. point that you made that um, it's not just that a leader isn't afraid to do or or wouldn't do what they ask their subordinates, but that they're leading by an example. Mm. Um, and I think that a humble example too, not yeah. one that's, that's in charge for the sake of being in charge. So. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's funny too, because you're as a leader, naturally, whether you've earned that position, you know, um, where your, your peers have actually, you know, like if you're stuck in the woods and a survival situation, a leader usually ends up being kind of appointed emerges, by the peers. Yeah, yeah right. it emerges. And that's like probably a really natural progression. But then you have someone who maybe is given this promotion and now all of a sudden they're leading and they're managing people. And maybe they earn that promotion due to the success they had at the lower level. Mm -hmm. But maybe they've never led or managed people at all. Right. And so they don't know how to do that. Right. And, Which I think is such a interesting thing that... I think that happens so regularly too that yeah. you perform your job well and so you're like okay well now you can be a manager or assistant manager or whatever but you, maybe performing your job before as a lower level had nothing to do with leading mm -hmm. people so you know absolutely nothing about leading people and yeah. now you're you know yeah and we uh, have this obsession I, I understand how that came about I guess or how Dude. I don't know yeah I don't know I mean our society is is really obsessed with leadership too like I would think we can get into this when we talk about um, you know how you're how you're planning to to treat your boys regarding this topic. But um, as a parent, I would think it's like when you're raising a kid, you're like, yeah, I'm going to raise them to be a leader. And then sometimes that can snowball, and it's just like, you know, never expect anything less than being the best right. and leading and always so working their way up that ladder. They're always on top or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. and 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 there's. There's very distinct value in filling those other roles that are below a leader. So I, I like to lead, but I also know that I'm not suited to lead in every situation. And so I'm try, I always try to look around and see, okay, you know, do I need to lead right now? Or is there somebody more suited? Or there's even situations where I don't want to lead, but then literally no one else is stepping up to lead, even when they're more suited. And so you still have to like take that leadership role but dude, it's so valuable to be to be a follower because you you can be in that learning position, prep yourself for the future when you can lead. Um, but also, 
you know, don't don't be leading in situations that you don't know how to lead in. And I think that there's an obsession with that. And so people get put in positions that they're not, you know, prepared for. Mm-hmm. I think maybe not only do you not. Um, well, sorry, what did you say? Positions that that you're not ready for? I guess going back a little bit, one of my coworkers um, is kind of like an older carpenter, um, really super nice, super experienced and and somebody that I really look up to a lot. And he told me one time that he has no problem letting other people be good at things. Mm-hmm. And I think that is um, a mark of true leadership is that, you know, if you, Taylor, are a leader, you don't necessarily have to be a leader in every situation, like, oh, yeah. you, like you were just saying. Um, maybe there's somebody a little more suited, but maybe you can really, um, you know, support the whole structure, mm-hmm. whatever that is, um, as a follower. Yeah. And as a positive follower that you're, you know, building up the leader in that situation. Okay, so it doesn't um, compromise your entire, like if you, um, if you are a leader, and then not being a leader in every situation that doesn't compromise your your definition or your title as a leader necessarily. Right. You're still filling roles and then able to lead maybe more distinctly when it's called for, yeah, but settle right. into to different roles when it's not. Right, exactly. So then it becomes less of a competition for who's in charge and more about the you know true like efficient structure mm-hmm. of leadership or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and I think, too, as a as a leader, a big part of it is for your subordinates is to get them to take ownership over whatever the task is. And so then you might actually fade into the background purposely because you want them to, to step up and do what they have to do. You yeah. know, I've had supervisors that were that were really good at that and they would just validate the ideas that I had. They probably had them. A couple weeks before I did and then when we were in that staff meeting I would I would pipe up and say something and they were like yeah that's an incredible idea they never needed to be like yeah actually I thought of that you know a couple weeks ago and hadn't quite said something they could have then if they had done that they would have just made me feel you know completely useless I would have been like well why didn't you say then yeah but giving people a chance to to show their skills and and uh, play a integral part of of a whatever process it is, is super important. It gives people value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that touches pretty closely to something else that I want to talk about, I guess, was just the, if you give someone authority, then you are really um, kind of stepping back as a leader and letting them take point on something. So now you are, you know, living with the results of that and being okay with that. But also like that just boosts the subordinate like you were just saying, mm-hmm. like your confidence or, you know, responsibility went up so much rather than a leader um, or someone in charge, I should say, coming and micromanaging a project yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so that authority really goes a long way, I think. Mm-hmm. It does. And then you can continue to have that subordinate kind of in your back pocket and like they feel confident enough that you can, when you call on them again, they've been propped up already so they can rise to whatever the occasion is. I think back to like when I used to watch Survivor and stuff like that, there would be those people during like the team competitions that they would just, their teammates would just like push them out of the way and they'd be like, you know, you physically can't do this or, you know, go to the back of the line, like don't even bother. And they would sometimes just like break that person. And then there might be a challenge that was maybe like a little more suited to their skill set. Maybe it took a little bit more brain power and it wasn't just brawn. And they might be completely checked out because mm-hmm. they're like, no, you didn't need me. 
you didn't want me before. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. you never gave me the confidence that I needed. And so then, you know, they, they would fail at that because they, the peers and the leaders didn't know how to treat one another and find ways of including people and giving them some say over the, the process of what was happening. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a major erosion of the whole idea of a mm-hmm. team when, you know, the person in charge or, you know, I guess it, it goes both ways really. But in this instance, the person in charge just totally undermining the rest of their team. So now the rest of the team has no interest in achieving, you know, the objectives that the team is, is pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, um, so actually my pastor is speaking, he's doing like a little series on followership <coughs> and what that means. And, and the one thing he said was you would never hear at like somebody's funeral. They were such a good follower. Like they just knew how to follow. He's like, that would come off as like a major Big um, insult. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it would be, be a major insult and it would kind of, make the people at the funeral like question, well, like what did they do with their life then if all right. they ever did was follow, you know? And, um, you know, he, he just said like, we don't value following nearly enough. And I think it, it can harm us in a lot of ways. And, and one of those is that then we get these people, um, who, if, if they never followed or never had to follow, then they become a leader. Like we mentioned earlier, just simply by, position. So these people that are put in these um, visible places or they're the loudest or they physically seem the most suited for a task, therefore they should be the leader. Um, But they're not, that's not the role that they should be filling. And so because we push people so hard to pursue those leadership positions and we get poor leaders through that. um, But also it's just there are simply moments where it's important to be a follower and to figure out how you can, how you can fill your role. Um, and I've really, I've really, like I said, liked to try to find the times that I, that I need to do that. And I've always, um, also said that my dad really modeled that for me. There was very few times where I would like catch him pretending he knew something. He would, you know, be pretty honest about, Hey, I don't know this. Can you explain it differently? Um, and the reason I, I found so much value in that is because then maybe you only have to hear something once and you just learned a ton. So you, you, you were vulnerable in that moment. Maybe you risked embarrassment. And, but once you opened up and were vulnerable and said, I'm not suited to this, to this task, either, either do it yourself or, or help me through it, then you're, you just learned something. So you're way more prepared the next time if you have to do that. And I've really, found opportunities to do that it tends to be in the physical space so like repairing something building something those are the times when i have to like absolutely shut my mouth and and listen to somebody that knows more but it it gives me confidence later when i need to be doing those things so i don't know like on the work site probably even when you were researching and stuff online to to learn like your leather working and stuff you probably had to have that vulnerability i would think yeah um yeah, for sure. I mean, just asking questions and, and just, I don't know. I think you have to be, the team can only function if there's true leadership, but also a team that's willing to follow and willing to be led. Um, and, you know, that isn't always true for everyone, I guess, but it really comes back to like, it's not a competition. Like if you're on a team, you're on a team and the success of the team is what matters, not, you know, mm-hmm. who's in charge or whatever. So yeah, I think... Th- I don't know. To me, that's something that I've tried to focus on a lot is, 
to be someone that's willing to be led when, uh, you know, the structure falls that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. I want to, I'm going to go back to some of the questions that we had. So, um, trying to think of times that like you'd been thrust into leadership. Could, do you have any specific moments where it became clear pretty quickly? Like, uh Oh, or, or maybe yes, finally I get to be this leader. Like, was there moments where yeah. that, t where that took place? Uh, I guess the one that stuck out to me first was more of an, uh Oh, yeah. now this is it type thing. Um, when Julie and I were, uh, engaged, getting ready to get married and wedding planning and everything. Um, I was, uh, planning on going downstate to finish up a bachelor's in civil engineering and was just kind of going through, you know, how are we going to make this happen? And the idea of student loans and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, so we decided to hold off on that for now. We, we're getting married and that was, you know, the most important decision that we were ever going to make. So that was, that took priority, I guess. And, um, so in the meantime, I was going to continue taking classes at NMC, um, that would still, uh, transfer, but the idea of being married and I'd always worked seasonal jobs and it was like, mm. there's no way that we can afford real life bills. Here. Yeah. Like we're going to have rent and you know, whatever multiple cars now that yep. can break down or whatever. So just the idea of having a seasonal job um, was not, it was really scary to me because I knew that we weren't going to be able to, to uh, we're going to just end up going into debt, which was the whole mm -hmm. point and kind of holding off on going to school downstate. So I was looking for a job forever, something that I could work around classes and whatever. And then it just kind of bit the bullet, I guess. And, took the job that I have now as a carpenter mm -hmm. and then I didn't really have any real carpentry experience. So I was starting out on the, on the ground floor, but, um, it was really intimidating to me because I had a very negative view of it, I guess, as more just grunt work. And I don't know, it was just like a, a holdover job, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just like being able to, to sacrifice like my pride and my, um, you know, desire to not have that like physically demanding, uh, labor intensive mm -hmm. job, uh, just bite the bullet and do it. I think that, yeah, that was the first thing that mm -hmm. stuck to me, I guess. And it was like, I guess justifying it as a leadership decision was like, this is going to set the tone for the rest of our mm -hmm. marriage. Either I'm going to sacrifice for the good of our marriage and so that we can, you know, get ahead in the long term, or I'm going to be hung up on, this one little aspect and yeah. looking back now, like I love my job and mm -hmm. I'm super stoked that I made that decision. Definitely Did you know it was well. like a big decision at the time too? Or is it just now looking back at it? You were like, yeah, that was actually kind of like a turning point. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily a turning point. It definitely felt like a big decision. Mm -hmm. though. It, it was a pretty emotional time. Just we, just the whole thing of like holding off on going, going to, um, finish up the four year degree mm. was like, if I don't do this now, like odds are I'm never going to finish right. it. And that was, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't now. Like mm -hmm. it's been a big shift, I guess. But at the time it, you know, it felt like it was maybe the end of something, but it right. was really beginning of a lot of other beginning. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's especially in marriages too. That's a, it's always unique to try to figure out 
the whole leadership thing, because I do think, you know, whatever the mechanisms are that makes a man a man, they're more inclined to leadership um, in the within a marriage. And I don't mean that they're more effective in leadership. I just mean that oftentimes they fill whatever that leadership role is because they're just inclined to like yeah. they feel like they need to. Right. And I think, oh, ineffectually a lot yeah, of times. Right. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. dude. Um, and so, you know, men are seen as what should be the leader and then the women are nurturing and whatever other characteristics they typically get thought for. And that's always just like this intricate dance that I feel like Abby and I are doing because, you know, I might lead, like there might be a lot of opportunities this one week where I was needed to lead. And then the next week there's not, but like my mindset of leading it bled over into this next week. And I'm like, need to get put down a peg again, like where she's like, listen, dude, like you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. So let's start to listen to some of my stuff. And it's always just like this back and forth. And I think that's what makes, you know, a good marriage kind of fun is maneuvering through that stuff. Um, but the, the, the process and the mechanisms of leading in a marriage is super, super, super unique. I think it's awesome, but it's definitely always a challenge and it's always shifting for sure. I don't know. Do you, do you think that same thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that being a leader though, is not like the glamorous, idea that you know you're in charge and everybody else has to listen to you but it's i think more founded on you know you sacrificing for the good of the team sometimes and you know the team could be you and your spouse in mm -hmm. that scenario so um you know maybe sacrificing your pride or your ego and mm -hmm. saying yeah i was wrong and you're right and this is you know you're we're definitely going to do your idea because that's the better idea or whatever. So I think that has a big part of it. Yeah. I like the way that you're framing leadership. It's already a little bit different than what mine was. I tend to think of leadership and, and I thought I had a pretty good handle on it was within, you know, moment to moment or event to event. So who's suited for this event? Who's suited for this next event? Do we need those role players and whatever else? Um, but you're kind of saying like, and I like it is that, you can just always be a leader, but just the actual, like what that looks like changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, whether or not like there's a lot of people and I, I have friends that maybe they never want to be a leader or, you know, in a management position or whatever that looks like. But on the other hand though, you're, you're leading yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're always with ourselves. We're always, um, you know, dealing with whatever baggage we're dealing with or whatever. And we have to be, you know, continually working on ourselves, continually, you know, progressing, trying to get better at whatever. Uh, and I think that takes a lot of work. And I think that's a pretty uh, full on example. Leadership mm -hmm. is just, you know, personal development. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just like an intrinsic you. thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's a unique way of looking at it too, is, you know, what, what do I have to lead myself through and what does that development look like? And so much of it is painful usually, mm -hmm. but you have to, to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, like when you look at what a leadership is supposed to mean, maybe in its purest form is that it's not all glamorous. So we paint it as glamorous, but really being a leader should not be, you should be, if you're, if you're leading say a big work project or whatever it is, 
the leader is, I think, supposed to be the one that's losing the most sleep because they're concerned about the well-being of their subordinates and the team members, but also the deadline. And so maybe they're the ones that are continuing to answer emails up until the minute that they go to bed because they have to do the behind the scenes stuff and then also run the site, the job site or whatever um, during the day. And so it's not supposed to be glamorous. And I think if you're doing leadership correctly, it actually kind of sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen um, Band of Brothers? I've watched some of the episodes. Okay. That's the series on um, yeah, it's like it HBO? HBO, I think. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, you need to watch it all because it's incredible. All right. But there's, uh, I think he starts out sergeant or something but winners is his last name he maybe he ends up a captain i don't remember his position but there's this one scene i forget exactly what town it was in france that they're storming and there's sniper fire and everybody's pinned down in the ditches and everything and they're just getting slaughtered there out in the open mm -hmm. and winners jumps up in the middle of the road and he's like get in there and he's sending them in to get killed but they're getting killed there mm -hmm. and, and i think I don't know, just throughout that series, he paints like the ultimate picture of leadership mm -hmm. that I think kind of mind blowing because it's, yeah. you know, in the context of World War II, but also it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty inspiring. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I always wonder because I haven't served in the military, like how I would do. And sometimes I'm like, I think I would do pretty well. And then other times I'm like, I don't think I could yeah. fill those roles or be a leader in those moments. But I also think we we have so much like untapped potential as a human and we can withstand like incredible difficulties that I wonder if we actually are more suited than we than we know. Um, you know, if there's like a natural disaster or something like we see it all the time, people actually are able to respond to those things pretty well and right. have this level of resilience that you you wouldn't expect from somebody. And I, I always think that that's that's intriguing is like what type of event does it take to sometimes show like the true strength of people and it sucks that sometimes that means you know a natural disaster and a, and a lot of people die um or the loss of a job and then someone can finally make their business their their side hustle work you know whatever it is um but yeah it, it is interesting how much of being a leader is also dependent on the environment too i think and then if there was a leader that appointed a leader, so was it the CEO that then appointed this lead manager on a project and they had, they were so far removed from the actual project themselves that they appointed the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Like that happens. I've, I've been in situations where someone was only a leader because of the title that was on their name tag. And that's like one of the most frustrating things to do. And I, I've, that was when I was the most miserable at, at, workplaces is when that happens yeah yeah for sure i can definitely connect with that on maybe a little lesser level i guess but i think the important thing in that i mean for you as a follower getting back to the idea of followership too is like that was a huge learning experience for you in a lot of ways like you were able to witness um you know the leader that shouldn't have been a leader's mistakes so that if you're ever in a similar situation, you can have that kind of reference mm. to go back on. Um, and I don't know, I think there's a lot of responsibility even on followers or the lowest person on the team um, just to, you know, try to stay positive. And I think that 
can have some pretty major effects on overall morale and everything Mm -hmm. too. And I, it probably goes back to the whole like willing to be led aspect too. Like if you can stay positive and, and other people on your team are going to pick up on that. So whether or not you're a leader, I mean, your attitude is affecting the rest of the people around Mm -hmm. you. So, I mean, there's that responsibility, I guess. Right. It's funny too. I've even had situations, whether it was me as the follower that was having to maneuver these difficulties or, you know, someone else, but it's like, sometimes if there's a project or a deadline or services that have to be provided, the followers have to provide those despite the leadership. So they're like, all right, we got to get this done. And then they kind of all know, like amongst themselves, they're like, hey, we got to make this work despite how terrible our supervisor is Mm -hmm. and like how out of touch they are with what needs to get done. Mm -hmm. So let's let's feed their ego like they need it to be fed and get them off our back enough so that we can actually do this work. And that's always fascinating, too, because then there's like these subsets of leadership that that forms that the actual supervisor or leader doesn't even really, I don't think, know about. Yeah. It's always interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like an example of how leadership and followership can go hand in hand a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's not as cut and dried maybe as we um, see examples of or, or bad examples of, mm-hmm. I guess. I think there's a lot of opportunity for both yeah. to, to occur. Yeah, there, I mean, certainly there's opportunity. I think there's, I don't know, is there more opportunity to follow or to lead? Because there's a glut of like good leaders, like they're needed pretty much everywhere you look. If you go to any any company, any family, like there might be some major flaws within that leadership that, you know, needs some tweaking. Uh, but I also think there, there's probably more opportunities to be a follower. I would think like within society yeah. and communities and stuff. Yeah. I would agree with that. Cause more leaders oversee I mean, typically, people. yeah, right. There's more than, you know, there's one leader on a team and mm-hmm. there's, you know, however many people yeah. following. So yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, how are you approaching or have you, I don't know if you've had to think about it yet outside of this episode, but like you have two, two boys. So, you know, if you're thinking about their future, they'll be married someday and have their own kids. And so there's leadership that'll obviously fall within, within that, but there's also going to be whatever their future job holds, whatever sports teams they might play on. Um, their groups of friends, like how are they going to be, how are they going to be acting and leading or following to their detriment sometimes, like their groups of friends that they go hang out with and mom and dad aren't around and nobody's watching them. So you have this little tribe of 13 year olds that's hanging out and get, getting into trouble. Like, have you thought about how you're going to try to like work through some of that stuff or what are you trying to instill in your little boys, if anything, yet um, like regarding leadership and, and all that stuff? Yeah, right. I guess they're, I don't know. It's even they're though young. they're pretty young, I'm sure it, it's the whole process has started already. In fact, I know it has, and I think that's a big part. This last year in my own personal development, tried really hard to be someone or start the process of becoming someone because I don't think I'll ever stop growing. And and you know, there's always room for improvement, but just to work hard on being someone that right now while they're maybe too young to understand anything like that they're still witnessing everything that i'm doing Mm. and how i'm acting um so i guess that's kind of been my 
approach mm-hmm. right now, at least just to it's like modeling it. Yeah. Just to model it. And I mean, your attitude carries over directly, you know, the things that you do and say and how you, I mean, even Owen, my oldest is going to be two here, uh, next week. Yeah. And, part of that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even though he's just two, like he, he knows what you're saying and he totally understands what you're talking about. So if I'm, you know, belittling someone or tearing someone else down or, you know, talking to my wife negatively about, you know, people at work or something, I mean, he hears that and he's Mm -hmm. picking up on that. So the motivation for me is pretty strong to just stay positive, be, be someone that he can look up to and, and, you know, see some, Mm -hmm some good uh good things being displayed and i guess you know once they are older and everything that we can have some more in-depth conversations and stuff but i think a couple of the biggest parts of it to me are the idea of um just being able to sacrifice as a leader i think that's a pretty big uh concept that you know sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do so that other people can succeed, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Um, and that's like, sounds like parenting, you know, <laughs> yeah, like that just, just sounds like the definition <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. Right. It was your wife who had said on her Instagram account, well, it's something about the cup, the fullness of the cup. And there's like literally always more to pour out if you're a mom. And I thought that that was really fascinating because I remember just thinking back now, you know, all the stuff that my mom was giving us. And then it always seemed like there was a little bit more. And I think that was, wasn't that something that she had, she had said was saying yeah, like, remember exactly, mothers yeah. are pouring from their cups and she, yeah, that's what it was. So mothers pour from their cups. I'm going to see her next week and she can correct me on this, <laughs> yeah. but um, mothers pour from their cups. And then when you think your cup is empty, like there's another opportunity to pour out and you find some more. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think that that's probably leadership. It speaks to what you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. about the, um, you know, situation or circumstances, uh, you know, yield Mm -hmm. leadership or, or you can find your true capacity for leadership, I guess, depending on the circumstance. Yeah. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting with your boys too, because they're pretty close in age. Is there going to be a time when the older one is like, all right, I'm going to lead you little dude. And then the other one's like, come on, you're only like, you know, however much older than I am. Like I'm not following you. And there'll be that, that issue too. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. I guess the other thing, um, you know, that I would really try to instill is like whatever position you find yourself in, whether it's a leader or otherwise, just to do it to the best of your ability and to, to live, uh, you know, intentionally, nobly, and just be all that you can be. And I think that, uh, you know, as a follower, you can really make a break a team or the result, of, mm-hmm. you know, the team's endeavor. And I don't know. I mean, if my one of my sons were to just boost the morale of, of a sports team or something or just be, you know, I don't know, just that positive, that little bit of extra needed so that the whole team, I mean, that would just, that would be mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, I might cry right now just right. thinking about. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so our pastor prints out notes, like detailed notes about his messages, and then I always save them and go through them later too. Uh, but he says here for followership, a follower is a doer and not just a beer. So I think that's part of it too. Is that when someone's a, a follower, you like like I always equate it to sports. So if it's that dude that 
um, is at the end of the bench, never gets to play. Well, all right, they're they're a follower, they're a role player. But you can reframe that and you can be like, uh, just because they didn't play in the actual game doesn't mean that they weren't scrimmaging just yesterday against the starters and making them better. And so they're actually doing things. Like as a follower, you're called to to do things. So it's filling that role. It's making the first team starters better, even though you might never be a starter. And it's not just this label that gets slapped on for people that are incapable of accomplishing anything. It's like there's specific things that need to be done. And I think that that's, that's kind of a cool little thing to remember is that they're doers and they're not just beers because one is one is movement doing requires movement and and being proactive and being is almost like just sitting sitting there and just oh i have this label and now i'll just adopt that and just sit there and so i I really like that i think that yeah yeah for sure i think that the idea of a beer is where we see all the faulty examples of leadership Mm. or followers um in our society is like once you get a position or whatever, then that's it. Then mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not at all. In no circumstance can you just say that you are something. You have to work at it. You have yeah. to be continually striving to fulfill that role, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And yeah, I don't think that. <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't like the idea of a beer. Yeah, anyway, yeah. it does though. It seems like leaders are beers. I, it, that wasn't said here, but I think our exam like it's important to delineate. Like true leaders right. are not, but I, we have the examples yeah. a lot of times right. of beers. Yep. Yeah. So by title, like a leader, right. it seems like, and I've been around a lot of leaders that yeah, they're just they're just beers. So they they think like, well, I put in you know decent amount of work as a follower. Now I was given this this position of being a leadership, and now's when I really get to relax. And I think it goes back to what we said earlier, where being a leader shouldn't really be that fun. No, like yeah. it should right. kind of suck because you're actually valuing everybody else's well being, you know, over your own. Um, it's interesting though, because there's always going to be someone higher up on the ladder that is then appointing other people. You know, when they don't really have a whole grasp on the situation, I think right. that's like the corporate st- structure that you see. And then that bleeds over into society's understanding of what a leader is. And it can get very skewed. And I think that's what we see quite often. I think there's a lot of opportunities or a lot of situations where the opportunity is there to just learn. Like maybe you don't get anything. Maybe it's just a terrible leader that you're under and it's just frustrating and miserable. But if the only thing that you get out of that is a learning experience on ways that you could lead better or you could not, you know, be the opposite of the example that you were just, mm-hmm. um, you know, just experience. I think that's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing opportunity mm-hmm. really, because then, um, you know, otherwise maybe you made those same mistakes, but now you can see that that's, it doesn't play out. Yeah. So um, basically learning opportunities, <clears throat> wherever, wherever you're at. And I think learning opportunities might be more, well, no, again, like if you're a a good leader, then I think you're constantly learning too. But if you're that poor definition of a leader, then you've adopted the thinking that you already have it all figured out. And that's why you're a leader. Um, as a follower, you're almost forced into, um, an understanding of like, you don't have it figured out because your title reflects that, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, there's somebody always saying, yeah, but 
like you don't know quite enough otherwise you'd be this dude right and whether right. they're right or not yeah. i don't know i think that exists for sure and probably the majority of the cases but it's unfortunate because you know like we talked about earlier is the whole idea of authority um if you give a subordinate or you know i don't really like the word subordinate but yeah. the, you know whatever um, if you give a, a, one of the follower, one of your followers on the team, the authority then to make judgment calls and to do it, then their responsibility just skyrockets and mm -hmm. their, um, you know, interest in the project skyrockets, but they have to be able to know what their capabilities are mm -hmm. and be able to do things. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just not as cut and dried, I think, as we, um, are told right. a lot of times. Yeah, it does seem to be very um, delineated and like, okay, if you have this on your name tag, like that's leadership. And really, there's just so much more to it. And we outlined it pretty well is like, you kind of go back and forth a little bit mm -hmm. if you're doing it correctly. Like sometimes you're a leader this day and you're a follower another day because you're trying to seek opportunities to learn and become more effective. And so I don't know, I guess it's just like, I think we're, I think we're winding down here. It's just like trying to look for opportunities where you need to lead, don't be, don't be too scared because you will regret it. Like if you were, if you were distinctly presented with an opportunity to lead and you didn't take it and you knew it was needed for you to, like you knew that you could be the one that, that could fill that role and you just like refused it. I think you will regret that. Mm. Like that's, I can think of a couple times, um, you know, where that's happened, where maybe I didn't follow through on something and take that position. And it does, it still like bothers me, even if it's, relatively inconsequential in my everyday life now um you still are like yeah i kind of missed the boat on that one like i should have you know taken that taken that chance so yeah, i just for looking sure. for it staying open to it yeah absolutely it's i mean the most successful people in the world were also the biggest failures in the world at some point right. like repeatedly so the idea of failure is so crippling but at the same time you gotta you gotta do it or else you're not gonna learn from mm -hmm. that failure so yep yeah, that's true. Everybody is really, really, really afraid of failing, myself included. And I think as I, I don't know what the definition of failure, like you're, you're doing your own, you know, side, side project too, that you hope to build into something greater someday. And that's exactly what this is for me. And I don't even know now since I've started on my path, what the definition of failure would be. Like, is it 15 years from now? and I'm still doing the same thing and I haven't gotten any more listeners than what I have now or, or, or what is it? I, I, I have no idea. Um, but it's like sometimes the line between success and failure is just like you're constantly towing it mm -hmm. and you're just moving. Sometimes it doesn't even seem like you're moving forward, but you're just like, you're still keeping at it. So and I didn't get any more sales this month than I got last month. I didn't get any more downloads this month than I got last month. Yeah, but you put out an episode. You still made products. Like, so that's that's fighting failure, like kind of keeping it away like a little bit longer, like you're beating it away with a stick, you know, for five more minutes of being able to do like what you want. And uh, I don't know. I think that's that's kind of how it actually is. It just gets painted more more glamorous when you when you find success than what sometimes it actually is or painted more harshly you know when someone fails it's like we think that everybody's just going to be like pointing and laughing and i yeah. don't know that that's the truth either no i mean we see um people's success as like the big moment of success 
uh, but we miss the maybe 10 or 15 years that they were grinding it out mm -hmm. and failing and, you know, maybe they went bankrupt or maybe they started five businesses that all failed yeah. until they, you know, f learned their lessons. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there's, there's a lot, a lot of work uh, in any case, any example of a successful person, there's so much failure. Mm -hmm. And I think it is kind of just like a balance, same as like followership and leadership there's a balance between the two. There's a balance between, you know, obviously you can't just be like only fail. It's what you do with the failure yeah. that, that can propel you forward. Um, so there's like a balancing act there between failing and learning and growing and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I don't know why I didn't use the word surviving when I just went on that little tangent, but it's like sometimes surviving is success. Like that's just the fact. And I always think back to my uncle. So my uncle, episode 16, survived the grizzly bear attack. He, he has this thing now as he travels around and speaks um, to different organizations and companies and stuff about his experiences and what that's you know, made him into. Is he, he just calls it beat the bear. So like beating the bear. And if you look at that on the surface level, you're like, dude, you didn't beat the bear. Like the bear like crushed your skull. <laughs> it scratched you all up, <laughs> threw you down a mountain, like all this stuff. And it's like, no, he beat the bear like because the bear wanted to kill him and it didn't kill him. So surviving was that level of success. And yeah. it's not it's not putting that bear in a headlock and like punching it in the face. It's actually just, you know, keeping enough blood in your body to get to the hospital sometimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, maybe not quite as uh, grisly as the <laughs> whole bear attack thing, but I think parenthood is, is oh, along the same lines. We have gone through multiple stages of survival mode but there was one that was like full-on survival mode like we can't do anything other than just stay alive man mm -hmm. we gotta just make it through right now and uh pints of ben and jerry's ice cream definitely <laughs> helped that was like the survival fuel but <clears throat> yeah i mean i don't know we i think just in our society and you know social media and everything we see the polished and the the end, I made it thing, but yeah. we, nobody really, not no one, but very infrequently do we see examples of the grind that mm -hmm. it takes to to make anything. And anything takes work, it, anything takes sacrifice. Yeah, that reminds me of that, of your recent video too, where you'd said like so much of the work, I mean, some of it is research. Like if you're doing leather work, like you go to Instagram because you find people who are doing what you wanna be doing and yeah. then you learn from them. But yeah, you had said in that video, like it just, you were looking at ev most times everybody's best work. And then you're looking at what you just tried to do and you're like, it doesn't measure up, mm -hmm. but you didn't see the scraps that was laying on their workbench that they just had to, you know, toss because whatever they had in mind didn't work out perfectly yeah. and wasn't worthy of taking a picture of. And yeah, so much of that is we, we get it painted to us that success is this beautiful thing and and we aren't shown the process all the, all the time you yeah know? absolutely well, it could kind of use the same thing to talk about leadership too is like if we're only seeing examples of um bad leadership and that's what we're you know using as our gauge i guess then that's that's a, a big bummer mm -hmm. for sure right it's like it just you have to stay objective about it all and realize what's what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. It's not the, uh, you know, 
shiny filtered Instagram photo of this pristine, you know, bag or wallet or something. It's it's the years of practice and failure behind that. And it's not the title of manager or whatever. It's the um, you know the heart and the intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Well, do you have anything else? Any other thoughts before we roll out of here? I guess, um, you know, just whether you're a leader or a follower, I would just encourage everyone to just do it to the best of your ability. I think be positive and and recognize your capabilities, recognize learning opportunities, and uh, yeah, just be all you can be. Right on, man. Yeah, I always appreciate your perspective um, as we've become friends. I don't know if you know these things or not but it's funny because sometimes my friends i want to like just complain to and have them be like yeah dude like your life does suck and it's like whenever i try to do that with you you always point out like some different perspective you're like oh well yeah maybe you should uh actually consider it this way and it's like (laughs) that can be a bad thing though no it's it's exactly what what Uh i need and uh so i think that that lends itself very well to this to this conversation when we talk about leadership and followership and, you know, how are we going to raise up young men to, to, in your case, you know, raise up young men to fill, fill whatever role it is and to know how to do that appropriately and not just give in to what society has deemed as success and what, um, leadership looks like and all of those different things. And so I always appreciate your, your perspectives and your wisdom. Um, I don't know, man, I I'll plug all your social media stuff you've been on before, and is there any way I could share the video too? Yeah, I'm going to be posting it. Are you posting uh, it? Probably okay. next week to Instagram. So. Sweet. All right. Yeah. yeah, he had a super sweet uh, video made just kind of outlining his process and his mindset behind his brand and the intentionality that it absolutely requires. And, and intentionality is a word like I, it's probably my favorite word if I had to have a favorite word from the last like three, four years is intentionality. And I think that's exactly what goes into his his brand and it's why I like looking at my at my notebook so much is because you can see the intentionality within it and th- that'll be available to you guys here in February if you want to snag one of those so um again dude thanks so much for coming on it's always a blast thanks for having me dude all right and thank you guys for listening we love you bye bye 